0: Impala, 20 Minutes with Helen Smith. Hi, this is Juliana Carantin. Welcome to the very first podcast in a brand new series called 20 Minutes with, brought to us by Impala the European organization representing independent music companies. Today, we are joined by Helen Smith, who is Impala's executive chair. Originally from Scotland, Helen is based in Brussels. She is the powerhouse who helps put thousands of independent companies and artists on the map in Europe. Helen, welcome. Hi, good to be here. I'm glad to see you too. Looking good and cheerful uh, <laughs> in, in, in um, some trying times these days. But hey, let's give it a go and see what we can do to celebrate Impala's 20th anniversary. Woo! yeah. Excellent. Let's celebrate. Elizabeth, about you. You are originally from Scotland and now you are based in Brussels. How did you end up in the capital of the EU?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question, because not only am I from Scotland, but I'm also from the middle of nowhere. My family come from the west coast of Scotland. My father was a blacksmith. And like a lot of teenagers, obviously, I was starting to listen to music. I was recording John Peel like a lot of um, a lot of people of my generation. And, you know, I was thinking there's a world out there and I want to I want to discover it. So that took me to to Glasgow then took me to London. And in the end, I thought, wow, there is so much else to see. I'm going to go and and live in Brussels for a while. I came back to London, and I was about to buy a house. And all of a sudden, they said, Oh, hold on a minute, we've sold it to someone else. And my partner, I met him in Brussels. And he said, Well, why don't we just go back to Brussels? And I thought, wow, that's a great idea. I wish I had made it. And that was it. In an instant. Our, our path changed and, um, and I went to Brussels and I spoke to the person who ran Impala at the time I said oh you don't know somebody who might be um, looking for someone like me and he said aha uh-huh, I am looking for someone like you and that's it.
0: That's a brilliant story which brings us back to Impala. Now tell us about Impala's story. It is 20 years old already. How did it get started?
1: Well, it got started when Michel Lombeau, who is a co-founder of Pias, decided that there was something missing in Brussels. There was no voice for the independents in Brussels. We agreed a lot with the majors on fundamental issues like copyright. We also could see that there was no voice explaining how access to finance is important, what was happening with competition cases, did the independents have the same view on consolidation as, as the others in the marketplace. The digital market, there was a a difference in priority, so we felt it was very important for the independent sector to have its own voice in Brussels. That's really the rationale for setting it up. And, of course, we also wanted to be sure that we could level the playing field in a way that duplicated all the national efforts, but in in, in an equation that didn't look like 2 plus 2 equals 4, it was 2 plus 2 equals 6 and 8 and 10. So we could really multiply and have a compound effect by having one common voice. Interesting. What was the situation of independence in
0: Europe to make Impala a necessity as opposed to a wish?
1: Well, I think the, the situation was that the independents were producing so much music. So 80% of the music that's released in Europe then and today it comes from the independent sector, but the story wasn't getting out. And there was a big difference in, in, in market share as well. So our, our fundamental mission is to grow the independent sector, is to increase our market share and to, to see the sector's voice, our stories being heard in a way that wasn't possible before. You can't do that unless you have a single voice.
0: Interesting, very interesting indeed. And has that mission evolved into something bigger than you originally envisaged.
1: Yeah, it's funny because we talked a lot then about levelling the playing field. And now we talk about um, what our responsibilities are as a leader in the the music sector. We say, okay, we we account for 80% of, of all new releases. Do we want a level playing field or do we want a premium for independent music? Do we want this extra value that we contribute in an exceptional way? Do we want that to be recognised and actually have an added value on top? Do we want to get more from streaming services, for example? Do we want to to be recognised in a way that's distinct and, and different? Very much in the way that you can see, for example, craft beer, you know, there's, a, there's a, a distinct and appreciative value about being able to understand what the story is behind the beer. What's the story behind the label? Do we believe that the artists are being treated fairly? All those types of questions are, are ones that have evolved with, with the organisation, where we see that we're part of a story about the music sector that's really positive and vibrant. And this is what Impala seeks to communicate.
0: Now I was reading about Impala's achievements and milestones. What are the highlights for you?
1: I think the first one was very early on when we made such a, an impact in the regulatory world in Brussels when EMI and Warner were going to merge and the regulators had never heard about what the independence view might be. Was it going to have an impact on our members' ability to, to get on radio was it going to have an impact on the digital marketplace. So very early on, we realised that there was a huge potential to be an influencer. So that early recognition was phenomenal. Then we had uh, class action in the European courts in Luxembourg that we won against all, all odds. And then more recently, I think I can pick out the copyright directive as a, as a real highlight. And in between, we we also celebrated our 15th birthday by putting the spotlight on young labels. And and that, for me, was a great story to be talking about.
0: What I find interesting about those answers is how suddenly independents were more than just edgy and maverick, which was a kind of an image they've historically had, but they were culturally vital regulators are now taking them seriously as businesses thanks to impala's lobbying
1: economically we are really significant so it's not as you say not just this you know cute edgy sector that everybody loves it's one that really matters and of course it also is really important to europe because we tell the local stories so our members they work with local artists saying in their local languages and you know we are a really massive part of local economies and how we can make a particular country, a particular region stand out economically and culturally. In which case, how many members does Impala have today? Oh, now we have over 5,000 based in 30 countries and we are growing. So every single board meeting we have, we have more applications from associations, from companies who want to join, who want to be part of this journey.
0: What does it mean to be a member of Impala? What are the benefits that members can expect?
1: Our members can really expect to be part of the network. So they get to know what's going on with all the other associations in all the different countries. They get to be moulding the storyline for the independent sector. They understand that working together is more valuable than working on on your own. And I think also this question about collective intelligence is really important. So there's a diversification of the thought process. And with that diversification comes a new experience, a new discovery about what makes the sector tick. And I think this collective intelligence that you get from bringing all those different people together from all those different countries and you get something which is much bigger than the sum of the total.
0: How is Impala coping and handling the COVID-19 pandemic?
1: COVID-19, that's some story for 2020. We set up a task force very early on and we came up with a set of um, crisis recommendations And those were addressed to the EU, to national governments, and also to the sector itself. And just last week, we actually came out with a whole new set of of recommendations around the second wave. So what does the second wave mean? And where are we going now? So we have seen news about the vaccines. We can see that the recovery from a health situation may be around the corner. And it's more important now than ever before, there is coordination. We want to see... European artists getting back on the road in Europe and we cannot do that unless there is a clear strategy. You mentioned that you started strategizing
0: early. Does the fact that your members are independents, did that make that easier? Because there were a lot of other sectors that kept postponing because they weren't sure what the pandemic would actually turn out to be. So the fact that you have all these independent members, did that more or less trigger an earlier response compared to other sectors?
1: I think that's a fair point that applies across the the board in Impala. Our members tend to be owner-managed. They don't have shareholders to respond to, so they can really take their own decisions. They can decide, hey, this is a priority. All of our resources get diverted to that.
0: I've been um, writing about the European directives ever since I can remember, and we've been hearing a lot about the European copyright directive. Things picked up momentum in the last couple of years, and congratulations, a positive result when it got adopted. What changes do you think that is going to bring, and how will Impala members benefit directly from the new?
1: EU directive. I remember when we did an interview about that, for me, that was right at the height of all the debates and and discussions in Brussels and Luxembourg and the vote in this amazing vote in the the European Parliament with all the theatre you might imagine, you know, about being in the viewers gallery and the whole parliament below and how the, the seats are all set out. That was fantastic. The story itself of the directive is one, I think, which is about balance. So it's a reform of copyright to make sure that creators and users and uh, digital services can find balance in in the digital environment today, which was really kind of out of sync in a way. And our members will benefit because user upload platforms like YouTube are now recognized as officially needing a copyright license. It was one that we heard so many views from, from so many different quarters that it was a, a really, a, probably one of the biggest and most significant debates of the European Parliament for the last 20 years, I would say.
0: Now, copyright, which I've interviewed you about for Medium, as you pointed out earlier has never and will never be an easy subject. So with that responsibility, trying to get the message across to make sure regulators understood, to make sure your members from different countries understood, to make sure there was empathy on the part of music fans, how does an organisation like yours, how does it go about getting those messages across, especially about something as complex as copyright? Regulators understood your members understood, your opponents understood, and the fans understood. Is there like a team, dedicated team in-house, to find a language that makes it easier to get the mission of copyright across?
1: Our team was was made up of a whole group that got together every Friday to talk about what was going on. And one of the things that that we decided really early on was that we needed to communicate on copyright in a really simple way. So, we had this message and the message was birds have wings, creators have copyright. And that was for us a really powerful way to explain why copyright's important. Brexit, good thing ah! or bad? <laughs> <laughs> I'm Scottish, so Brexit is like, you know, this really complex subject. The main priority for Impala is really to work with AIM and to make sure that the priorities of our members, the priorities of the cultural sector in general are, are really understood in the negotiations, that you know, there is a sector-specific approach. There will be a trading relationship and that will continue. And of course, decisions on both sides of the channel will be fundamental. So it's going to be something that we all work on even more closely together. So we still, we still will be reaching out hands across the channel. So forward going, what are you working on right now? I'm guessing
0: competition, antitrust rules and regulations, Is this going to be even a bigger challenge than the Copyright Directive?
1: It's certainly a challenge. And one of our fundamental tasks here is to help regulators understand how the complex web of influences will impact our sector. So traditionally, in the competition world, you know, it's really simple. Someone buys someone else. There's a change of control. Is it good or is it bad? you know, the regulators say yes or no, and that the job is done. Very intense investigation. All the parties get involved. We, we know this story very well. Um, now, of course, you know, with you, as you say, selling off chunks, building strategic relationships. It's much more complex for regulators to work out when do they intervene, how are they going to do it. And we, we've spoken to the regulators in the UK, in, in Brussels, in, in, in Germany and in, in other countries. And what's really interesting is that they really get that, they really understand that the market has changed significantly. And, you know, they, they, well, we're working on two other areas, which are really, really important for the organisation as part of our, our role as a leader. We implemented a diversity and inclusion charter, and we're now rolling that out. We're working with members. We've got a whole training program set up for next year. We're also looking at sustainability in the sector, so we're going to be developing tools that our our members use so that we can, can really take the lead here. Our big priority, I think, also for this year in particular is to really shine a light on the independent sector. People understand what it's about, what our values are, how we work with artists, what are the people in the sector, what are the stories, and, and obviously your role in curating these interviews is a fundamental part of that.
0: What are the three things that stand out for you in the past 12 months?
1: Okay, so uh, clearly the COVID crisis. I also, you know, how our sector has has responded, so the solidarity within the sector, we're also really excited about Love Record Stores, this campaign that got started during the crisis um, that really put the spotlight on the fundamental role that record stores play in the sector. We've also talked about the, the move, the real focus on diversity and inclusion in the music sector. That is phenomenal for us to, to really be part of that journey at this time. Your priorities for the future? making sure that we're one of the first organisations that implements our charter on diversity and inclusion in, in a meaningful way. So we're going to be surveying the sector later on in the in the year. We are going to have this really big project on streaming and allocation of revenues that's, that will come to light in the course of 2021. And, of course, sustainability in the, in the sector, how we are going to be making... This sector, the leader in terms of our carbon footprint, how are we going to be sustained, more sustainable, more responsible? And what are you often heard saying? All artists are born equal, and it's our job to make sure that means something in the real world.
0: Have you got that and a poster in the office somewhere?
1: <laughs> I should have it as the
0: backdrop Absolutely. for the Zoom calls. Absolutely. What's your one piece of advice to anyone considering a career in music?
1: Working in the music sector is a team game. To continue on the sporting analogies, it's a game of two halves. So never get down about something because there's always a second half. Be imaginative about what kind of roles you might want to do. Look at what I I couldn't sing. I I couldn't do anything creative but music was a real passion for me and I made it my business to work in the music sector because I could see it it was a combination that would be really powerful for me as an individual and remember your sense of humour.
0: In which case, what's on your playlist at the moment?
1: Ah yes, my playlist is, is like a trip down memory lane. Because it's Impala's number one playlist on our series of 20 tracks that we're going to introduce for our 20th anniversary. And it's two tracks from all the albums that have ever won the Impala Album of the Year Award. Wow. So it's 20 tracks in the past 10 years, and, and they are fantastic. I just love them all. So if anybody wants to check them out, they can go to impalamusic.org click on our Impala 20 page and then you will get a link to the playlist and all the other exciting interviews that you're going to be doing Juliana
0: That is a very positive note to end on Helen Smith, Executive Chair of Impala and Music Industry Executive Extraordinaire thank you so much for your time
1: today Thank you Juliana look forward to the next ones